So I want to talk to us about countdowns. There's all kind of countdowns. As children, oh, we, we learned early on what a countdown was. It's eight days to my birthday. Seven days to my birthday. By the day before, we're screaming. You just know, tomorrow's my birthday. Today is my birthday. Come Christmas, man, we start early. 30 shopping days left. 29, 28, 27. And, of course, the children get, oh, they just get so, so excited because school's out and Santa Claus is coming and, and the wonderful smells in the house of the extra cooking going on. Those are countdowns. And then there's also countdowns to, I've got a surgery scheduled in two weeks, one week, three days, tomorrow. That's not as fun. Countdowns to weddings. Countdowns to all different kind of things. Some bring excitement. Some bring angst. Some bring real challenges to us. Matthew chapter 24 is a passage that's familiar to many, if not most. Some of you went there immediately as we started getting the reports a week ago going on in Israel. Just stand with me one more time as we read Matthew 24. I do want to read the first eight verses. When Jesus left the temple and was going away, his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So then he said on the Mount of Olives, now what I want you to notice is there's quite a distance between being there on the Temple Mount by the time they crossed the Kidron Valley and got to the Mount of Olives. So these disciples had some time to be thinking about what they just heard. Here's this beautiful temple. It's just, you know, we're still working on it. I mean, the, the paint's fresh. And you're, you're telling me it's going to be tore down? But they had an agenda as well, so they're, they're very keen on what's going on. Verse 3 says, And he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars, mm. rumors of wars. See that you are not afraid or alarmed, but this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it uh, resonate in our spirit today. Let it educate us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. Curiosity is a part of the human experience. Some of us are naturally nosy, of course, and we just want to know, but curiosity isn't every one of us. 
We want to know. I'm a person, I, I like to be fully aware of what I'm dealing with. Give me information. What am I to expect? What are you expecting of me? I like to know. You like to know. Whatever you are on the spectrum, curiosity is, is a part of the experience, and we find that here as well. We, we have this, this part of us that just says, I, I know I'm limited. I, I, I can only know what I've been informed on. When it comes to things very serious, I mean, how many of us have sat in a physician's office and they're telling us we're sick? Well, just tell me how sick I am. I want to know what I'm dealing with, whether it's going to be surgery. Then I want you to tell me exactly what's going to happen. Can I have a witness in the house? So it's part of the human experience. It was no different for these disciples. They're hearing, again, this beautiful edifice and you, you, gotta, you, you just got to get the context of it. This is God's house. And he dwells in that back room. So if we lose the house and we lose the back room, are we going to lose God? There's a lot at stake here. Their whole world centered right here. And Jesus just rains on their parade. Thank you, Jesus, for the good news. I mean, we're just looking at all this beautiful edifice, and, and you're telling us there ain't going to be one stone standing on another. My God. Hmm. And yet we don't get the feeling from these disciples that they're appalled by it. You see, curiosity has a way with us to be biased according to our perspective, doesn't it? What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of the deal? What's going to happen to me? Have you ever been talking to somebody and you're telling them about your challenge and they interrupt you to tell you what's going on in their life? Doesn't it just tick you off? I mean, they always have to one-up you. What they're going through is a whole lot worse than what you're going through. If you're going through it for the first time, oh, I got the T-shirt. Man, I've been through it 16 times. And so we find from these guys' perspective, they just heard that they're going to get evicted <laughs> from God's house. And, well, when's this going to happen? But if we don't find that as the only question. When's your return? And when's, when's the end of the age? In other words, you have to understand the Jewish mindset was there's only two, two different eras. There's this era is nothing but evil, and then the kingdom is coming, and it'll be the golden age. And so if you're telling us this is going to happen, then obviously that's marking the end of the age. When are you coming back in your kingdom? In other words, they felt like, okay, is this going to happen next week? And the week after, you're coming and returning in full power, they weren't seeing his death. They were just seeing him finally getting recognized. And guess what? They were going to be at his side. So the whole perspective was centered around them and their questions. Well, before we beat them up, wouldn't we be the same? And here we are getting news reports, and we've already got those counting the days when Jesus is returning. It's in us. 
How bad is it going to get? Some of the reports we've heard has broken our hearts to be awakened to the atrocities that war brings, that hatred brings. So for these disciples, when they're hearing the bad news, they're already looking with a perspective of it's not so bad There's going to be finally the kingdom. For us, as we're hearing the reports we are now, we don't have that excitement. However, for those of us that's been serving the Lord and have any knowledge of his word, we've learned a word that we don't use except at times like this, and it's simply the word Maranatha. Come soon, quickly, Lord Jesus. I mean, when things are going against you, that's that thing we immediately, I, I, I want the Lord to come today. In other words, I don't want to go through what I'm going through. I want him to come now. Now, I'm not calling us evil. That's just who we are. How many remembers 1988? Now, a lot of you younger ones can't remember that, obviously. But 1988, we had 88 reasons why Jesus was returning. Edgar Wisenant did math and, and, and reason, and it was amazing. Every church had revival this week. We just knew this had to be right on. A personal experience for me, as I was serving this church as a youth pastor, and we were in 200 building, that was the sanctuary at the time, I was not preaching. Brother Langdon was preaching, and I had, during service, I, had, I was called on. I came around the side hall, came to the foyer, and there was a woman out there, and she was not happy. May I help you, ma'am? I knew her. And she said, I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't want Jesus to come now. You see perspective? Well, tell me, why aren't you happy that he might come now? I just don't want him to come right now. I'm not, I'm not happy. i got things I want to accomplish. I want to see my children get of age, and I want to enjoy my grandchildren. I said, well, if you want my personal opinion, he's not coming at this time, so you're probably safe. I said, but what I've learned from you is it's all about you. Well, now she was being honest but it was, it was the anger in her that really was like a little over the top. Jesus, you can't come until I tell you. That might be an extreme case, but it does bring out in us. And, of course, Jesus gives us, the Word gives us what we are to do in times like this that we're made and we're quickened again is look up. Your redemption is drawing closer and closer. The King James, your redemption draweth nigh. It is this reminder, in your face reminder, that there is a countdown going on. You see, we realize in times like this just how limited we are, how small we are, how minute we are, that we are not God, and we want his favor, we want his presence. What we have to understand, and Jesus is telling us here, is it's a process. 
as he's talking to the disciples and they're talking about these things and Jesus is sharing with them these things that are beginning at the time, we call them the beginning of sorrows. In other words, it's just the beginning. And he uses the word sorrow. It's, we're, we're just getting started. It's going to get crazier. In other words, they're birth pains. Birth pangs. Things happen along the way. The countdown started over 2,000 years ago. Because really the countdown is about one thing. And the disciples got it right. When are you going to return? As soon as Jesus left after his death, resurrection, and ascended into the heavenlies, those angels spoke to those first disciples and said, Why are you standing here looking up? The same Jesus, not another one, this same Jesus is going to return in like manner. That's when the countdown started. You and I have been caught up into it recently again because as much as a lot of people don't understand or don't want to admit, Israel is the center of the planet. As small as it is, as insignificant as it is, it hits the news. It ripples throughout the world. Hmm. This countdown, of course, is a countdown to his return. We make the statement that history repeats itself, and reality, history doesn't. And, but we see these similarities. Jesus put it this way, in the same time of talking to disciples, and we see it today as Matthew 24, you get all the way to verse 37, and Jesus has gone through a whole lot more of what the sorrows are going to be. And he explains that the latter days will be likened unto the days of Noah. In other words, the days of Noah's had already happened. History is not going to repeat itself, but it's going to look very similar. The cavalier attitude, just eating and drinking and marrying. You know, I just, I don't want to know what's going on. I just want to be happy. I, I don't want to know about retirement. I don't want to worry about I just I want to just live today, and I want to be happy. I don't, I don't want outside pressure. I've had enough of that. I just want to be happy. I want a cocoon. The latter days will be like the days I know. In other words, become so cavalier that we just find ourselves just not connected any longer. And along with that, other things drift in. We lose sensitivity to the things that are valid and important. So these, these birth pains are actually very important to us. It stirs us again. It causes us to think again. It causes us to come out of our stupor again. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible said these things would happen. It's leading somewhere. There is a countdown. I don't know how many shopping days we got left. I don't know how many more days before. I don't know about the countdown, but it's obvious it's been going on for a long time. In other words, for us today, this week I've had so many people come up and say, this is it, isn't it? No, it's not. However, it is a birth pain. 
I just talked to my sweet daughter-in-law a little while ago before church. What's going on in her life? What's going on in her body? Her body's changing. Can I hear an amen? This is why Jesus used this example. The excitement of the news weeks ago is, is now beginning to shift. Because it's, we're still excited and yet it comes with other things. It comes with pain. And each one of these pains that you find out, to, I mean, you got pain new every morning, right? Well, there's mercy for that. <laughs> you got parts of your body hurting you didn't even know it was part of your body. Am I preaching good right now, girl? We're hurting in places we didn't even think about. It's troubling us. Can't believe these things are going on. And we're hearing of war and rumor of war. Where's it going to go? How long is it going to last? And there's already an attitude in there. How long is it going to last? In other words, I wish they'd get it over with. But you see, it's a birth pang. It's intensifying. Becoming more and more frequent. Causing other things to ache along with it. It's all descriptive. So in other words, history doesn't repeat itself, but there are these cyclical occurrences that just keep letting us know God is in charge and we're going somewhere and he knows where we're going. We just don't have all the information and we want to know. These birth pangs brings with it, in a lot of our translation it said, and lawlessness will be increasing. The King James might even have the better word this time, wickedness, iniquity will increase. It breaks our heart when we see not only news out of the Middle East, but our local news. How can somebody do that to somebody else? The wickedness, the depravity, the absence of morality. We find again just giving way to lust of the flesh. We find ourselves giving way to just any impulse, taking a life and not even having a good reason. Well, in the moment, they just were irritating me. I could go on and on with that, this lawlessness. And then Jesus takes the time, verse 12 of this, we didn't read, but he's also being that good shepherd and letting us know in this countdown, these birth pangs that will intensify and become more and more frequent and bring more and more pain, it's leading to caught up in that countdown, Jacob's trouble. Daniel saw it. Jesus speaks of it. John the Revelator speaks of it and tells us there's a seven-year period Jacob's trouble. Pastor, what's that mean? The tribulation period. That's assigned in this countdown. And the latter half of it, known as the great tribulation, and Jesus takes the time to inform those first disciples, get the word out, and pass it along because each generation will need to know when it comes, there has never been 
never been a time likened unto these days. Oh, never again. Whatever pain we've read about in history, whatever atrocity we've read about, the things we've experienced or witnessed will pale in comparison to where it's going. Wickedness will be so intense. Again, the cyclical orders, again, now history repeating itself, but being similar, the days of Noah, only eight on the planet survived. Wickedness had increased it spills over so he's telling us ahead of time if those days aren't shortened even the elect would fail pastor I know you're doing what you feel like you ought to do but would you just talk about something sweeter today and nicer today but don't we need to know Don't we need to have an understanding? Not to bow to fear, but understand that there is a God who's watching over and is long-suffering toward us. In a season like this, yes, great harm, carnage going on, and yet it is a megaphone to the planet. Where are you with God? Where's your heart? 2 Timothy chapter 3, many of you know that passage as well, very well. But if you don't, by this time Paul is writing his last letter, and this is the closing of his letter, and he's inspired to write, in the latter times, great peril will come. Now we've got to know that countdown started 2,000 years ago, and the things listed there have always been there, but the intensity. Perilous times shall come, terrible times shall come. Desperate times shall come. And again, I've preached on this so many times, but I am one that believes in in the law of this first mention. And of that litany, it says first that people will be lovers of self. I'm convinced that it colors everything else listed there. And it goes on, and we know, if you know anything about that passage, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But there are words now that are getting intensified that we weren't paying much attention to. Because it says people will be heartless and brutal and despisers. Wow, that's ringing, isn't it? Of those who are good. Not just indifferent to it, despise it. Brutal, heartless. I believe we're getting a taste in these birth pangs of an awareness what's been there. But it's intensified. Perilous times. Why? Because it's all about me. Lovers of self. I have no regard for anybody else to the point of no value of life. I just want what I want. I got to make sure I get what I need. And no longer even just saying, then you can have what's left. No, it's just getting to that level. So the things we're witnessing now, we have to come back and ask ourselves, what's our response? The Bible takes the time, again, in the same passage, it says, and as wickedness increases, as lawlessness increases, many will grow cold toward the things of God. In other words, it's easy to lose focus. 
of what this thing's really about. The Lord is coming again. He's coming again. What is our response? Is our love intact to keep us through sorrow, to keep us through pain, or will we become withdrawn and indifferent? Again, Jesus is talking about these things, and he says, I've passed this great tribulation. I, I want to bring in Ezekiel 38 and 4. There's a verse there that's repeated two or three of the times in Scripture, but it's there that we, we hear of another major war coming to the earth. And without getting into all the teaching there, what really spoke to me this week is God takes the time to inspire Ezekiel to write these things and names nations that are going to be a part of that war. In other words, this countdown really is all about God and his purposes. That that many years ago, he would inspire a writer of years way beyond his time upon the earth to speak of these nations that will be caught up. And here's the word in verse 4. God says, I will take my hook and put them Into the jaws of the nations. I don't know how many fishers we have today. But if you've ever hooked a fish. As long as that hook stays on that line. And that line stays in your reel. And you're able to. You got control. And it's fighting and swerving. And trying to get out of the path of where you want to drag it. But. It can only last so long. As long as it's hooked, it's drawn you in. This is the description God gives to the nations of the earth. You can mock God, but God is sovereign. And his purposes will be fulfilled. And not just individuals, but nations drawn, pulled like a moth to the flame, intrigued. You say, well, surely, surely, surely nations are aware of what the prophecies are and, and, and won't get caught up. But you see in the moment, first of all, if you have leaders that are not God-fearing. But even those that have a knowledge of God, oh, the political pressure. And now ESG strategies. Global strategies. What's ESG, Pastor? Some of you know, many of you don't know. Environmental, social governance. Controlling Fortune 500, Fortune 50 companies. Many of you see it right where you work. It's strategies. Can I give you some more good news today? There are those that wants to decrease the population of the planet. So we have our strategies. Famines. Pestilences. 
Could it be those beginning of sorrows are not just natural, could be man-made? Wow, pastor. When you take these strategies and you take the political pressures, and now when we talk about the land, that land, that small piece of real estate, oh, but it's rich in minerals. And it is loaded with aquifers. When I was in Israel now some several years ago, as we were, it was the Perry Stone ministry tour that the church allowed Sheila and I to go on. And uh, there were 300 on that trip, so they had nine buses. And so the guide on our bus, the orange bus, isn't it amazing? I'm driving and my bus is a yellow color, but I'm assigned orange <laughs> from Mariano City Schools. History doesn't repeat itself, but it sure looks similar. <laughs> and on that bus, the guy turns around out of everybody in that bus and looks at me and said, I want you to be the captain of this bus. And so I got to know Moni a little bit. He was a Bulga- Bulgarian born Jew, came back to Israel, or came to Israel for the first time in 1967 to fight in the Six-Day War. And as we're going through that week, we get in Galilee, and he looked at that body of water. And he said, you know, they say the next war will be over water. Again, that land is rich. The desalinization of the Dead Sea, the technologies, the irrigate, all the things. It is a land that flows with milk and honey today. These things are hooks. For this one, it's mineral rights. For this one, it's water. For this one, it's just hatred. Political pressure. Drawing, drawing, pulling. I've got my hooks in the jaws of the nations, snared. So I conclude with this. What is our response? Countdown going on. It's been going on. It will continue to go on. It will come to the culmination it's planned to do. It will return our Lord to the earth again. What is our response? What is our attitude? Is it Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus? Is our response, yes, Lord, I understand these times and it causes me to pray. And I will do what I can to share the good news. But you see, Jesus in this same passage then also shares, but many will say the master has delayed his coming too long. The master left the responsibility with his servants and said, I will return, but didn't give a return date. And it went longer than they expected. Well, then we'll just do what we want to do. Don't allow that spirit to get a hold of you. But as we look globally, all through Europe and now in the United States, I'm just laying it out to us. Where is church attendance? Where is passion for revival? 
Where's the hunger? Where is the outbreaks of revivals that truly goes into awakenings that stirs a community? You see, you've got to understand wickedness has increased. But the Word of God says where wickedness increases, God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. You've got to understand there's a war going on, a spiritual war, and every time one more event ratchets us one more birth pain closer, the enemy says, I will retaliate and I'll increase wickedness just a little bit more. I'll break the hearts of people. I'll make them bow to my fear. I want them to believe that I will win. So this is what the Word of God tells us. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, telling us about the return of the Lord. The dead in Christ arise first, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with the Lord, the rapture of the church. And yet, it speaks of his return as well. The day of the Lord. And it says to us, be steadfast. Be immovable. And continue to abound in the work of the Lord, knowing it will not go in vain. The other passage is 1 Thessalonians 4. And as it tells us about, yes... The dead in Christ, they're going to rise again. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Yes, that's going to happen. And it says this, encourage one another with these words. Would you stand with me today?